Welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey. And my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. The good news is that 11 and 5, it starts today. Or started a couple days ago. Still, still within reach. <laughs> still nope. within reach. You can't get to 11 and 5 without losing five games. <laughs> Got to do it. <laughs> oh, man. That's a very positive outlook. <laughs> I had to lose five somewhere. Nine straight, here they come. I just got off a golf course. It's like when you when you like duff a shot and you're like, gotta hit a short one somewhere. <laughs> Speaking of golf, uh, Grandpa, hopefully he's getting his golf game in, enjoying his retirement. Uh, so our grandfather was the original Browns fan of our family. That's an homage to the name of our podcast. We like to call him every single week and hear his perspective on the previous game. And he had quite the perspective this week. So here's that conversation. Hello. Hey, Grandpa. It's Matthew. How are you? <laughs> How are you doing, Matthew? <laughs> oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, we we needed a, a little bit of time, 48 hours, to kind of process our frustrations with with that last <laughs> game. But I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, I... Uh... In spite of everything, I see I see some I see some hope because uh, I think there are some very positive things there, uh, and I think that uh, finally I think they got a little grip on themselves. I think that the positives, in the long run, I think that they they're going to uh, outweigh the, the negatives. Uh, they had they started out pretty bad. But uh, I, I think that uh, I can see some turnarounds. And I think that people, people would say that, well, they lost the game and they got everything. Well, I, I, I think they played pretty good outside of a one, one quarter, you know. And uh, the fact that I think they got a left tackle maybe. This guy, he, was, he, he played good compared to what's been happening, you know. But here we still got... Still got, still got uh, Mayfield uh, dropping back, and instead of staying in the pocket, then running to his left and running for his life, and then trying to and trying to hit a receiver, and he throws the ball, you know, just throws the ball away. I, I, I think that he's got to really uh, stop that. I think they had, they had some, they had some uh, good plays when they, when they, when they threw it to the running backs, just so over the, over the line. You know, just real quick, quick, quick. You know, like two seconds, get rid of that ball. If you don't get rid of that ball in about two seconds, no matter what you do with it, you got to get rid of it because you're going to get killed. Coming up, we got the uh, Denver Broncos. I know how much you hate that damn John Elway. You think we can? You think we can pull one out? Yes. That uh, was- no doubt. No doubt in my mind, we, we pull that one off. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Would that make it just because, a little bit better? Because there's a double dislike over there. Elway <laughs> and, and Flacco, and uh, and uh, I, I uh, never forget all the hurt that the Broncos put on the Browns in the past years. You know, and, and the, the last time they played, uh, they said there was nobody ever forgot the, the drive and the fumble and the river catches on fire. You know, no matter what happens, this always comes up. You know, <laughs> these guys never let anything let sleeping dogs lie for God's sake. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> so what? The river lived. caught on fire. <laughs> yeah, they they never re, they never remember anything that's positive. They they dwell on the negatives. You know. And uh, it, sort of, it sort of picks me off when, I, when they do that, too. <laughs> well, th- this will be a fun game. Um, Broncos are, are struggling for wins now. I think it's just what the, the Browns need at the moment is a, a team that's not at the well, top of their craft. They, well, they, they can't go in that game thinking that like, it's a cakewalk for them. That's the last thing they, that they need to do. Well, I certainly uh, hope they won't. I mean, they're two and four at this point, so two and five yeah. now. Well, yeah. Well, I, I think if 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 they 
get it. You know, these false starts and stuff are killing them. You know, they get into a they get into a decent position, and they these these they got so many false starts, uh, they're they're shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, I, I I think it's a coaching. You know, and one thing they said about Belichick. Did you hear what what was said about Belichick with the with these guys? They get called for penalties. They sit their ass out of bed the next game. They don't play. <laughs> And uh, you know, I, I don't think we have we don't have the luxury of of saying you're not going to play, but they need to do something that's going to put some hurt on these guys to, to make them aware of all the penalties they're getting. You know, finding them isn't going to do any good. If, if they make too much money, it doesn't bother them anyway. But but uh, but the keeping him out of a game or, or else holding him out for holding him out for a quarter, you know, and don't let him start. Let somebody else start. So that that hurts more than anything else. And I think that they should do something like that uh, to to instill a little bit of uh, uh, sportsmanship in 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 in, 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 in you know they earn, earn your money and quit making mistakes. You're not hurting the you're quit hurting the team. You know, there's always hope. I I you know I thought that I would really really be pissed about this. About the loss and everything, but I thought I think that I saw the positives in there. I think that there's still some hope there yet. <laughs> well, there's always hope, guys, and I'm, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a win here on Sunday. As are we. So. All right, we'll call you. We'll call you after the W. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. Sounds That's good, good, Grandpa. Okay. Bye. That's hilarious. So obviously a ginormously disappointing game against the Patriots where the Browns played relatively well. Baker had one of his better games of the season. For the final three quarters, we played relatively well. Has played better than any other quarterback facing the Patriots this year. And um, mistakes, turnovers, um, penalties were the story of the game. It seems like we just cannot get out of our own way over and over and over again. We're clearly talented, but... Can't make it happen. What do you guys think? What, yeah, what do you think? I mean, I don't think we can overlook the fact that this game was against the New England Patriots, who have started out the season with a historically strong defense. And the weather conditions in this game, especially in the first half, were miserable. Absolutely miserable, which contributed, I think, very strongly to Nick Chubb's two fumbles. Like, that it was dumping rain. That ball was wet. That's that's not an excuse necessarily because the Patriots didn't fumble. They were running the ball just as much as we were at that point. But I, I'm not necessarily worried that like that's going to continue. I'm not worried that Nick Chubb's going to continue to fumble throughout the year. He didn't have a fumble his entire rookie season. Um, I think the the weather conditions con- contributed there, and I, I thought he bounced back and looked good. I mean. We spotted the Patriots 17 points. You can't do that. You're going to lose just about every single time after you do that. So if we look at a positive, it's that we outscored them the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I said last week that I really thought the Browns, if we were playing on an even playing field and didn't give them an advantage with the turnovers, we had stood a chance. And honestly, that didn't if, you happen. Look, if you look at it that way, with taking the turnovers out, we did – Stand a chance. We played up to their level. It was pretty decent, aside from those ridiculous three plays in a row that were turnovers. And you just can't fight against that if you're playing one of the best teams in the NFL on their home field. There's there's no way you're going to win that game. Especially yeah. in that field position that we gave away the first two turnovers. Nick Chubbs and then Baker Mayfield just handing the ball. One of them was a touchdown. That was the first and the third. The first and the third. Because yeah. the second was yeah, Nick Chubb. The first and third. Yeah, but I mean, if you if we look at those Nick Chubb fumbles, that spots the Patriots seven points. And we're like inside the 10-yard line. It's it, if, inside the five, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's a net 14 because we were probably so, going to score there. Yeah, so it, it very well could have been a net 14 on those two fumbles and back-to-back plays. And that's the difference in the game. 14 points. Yep. Right there. It, it just changes the game so just – unbelievably dramatically that it's almost like the rest of the game is just a walk like i always think it's and so, honestly you, you we can't take well. much from it you like know? the 
I got to give Tom Brady some credit because our defense played pretty solid against them, and he made some plays. Like there was a couple like third down plays where he just put the ball in the only place that the receiver could catch it and was able to move the chains. Like I think our defense played Watson. well enough yeah. to turn the game around, and it just couldn't happen. Yeah, I mean total yards. It was a <coughs> it was an eight point swing. So we had three hundred ten. Patriots had three eighteen. And I mean that is the NFL. Right, you're you're usually pretty close, but without those turnovers, you're right there. Yeah, like you just can't give away that many points on that consistent of a basis, and we're averaging turnovers at a ludicrous level. And the penalty difference, what was it? Like we had like twelve or something like that, and the Patriots had four. Yeah, which which hurts, but I mean, this has become a theme this year, and I don't know if it's it's our own like delicate sensibilities. But it feels like the Browns get called for penalties that, in this game, the Patriots didn't get called for. I mean, we look at that uh, Richard Higgins offensive pass interference. You, uh, I think I retweeted uh, a side-by-side this week of that compared to the Philip Dorsett not like 35-yard pass down the sideline where Philip Dorsett pushed off even more noticeably. Than, than Higgins in, in the exact same spot on the field, the exact same kind of route. Um, we got called for it. They didn't. I Patriots defenders are very physical. We, we get called for, for holding illegal contact. They don't. Like we, in, I, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist here. I don't think it's like, oh, they have it out for the Browns and the Patriots get away with shit. But, I mean, sometimes that happens and it goes that way and – You've got to fight that. You've got to overcome it. It just feels like it happens so consistently often. But it is these like these these calls, these pass interference calls, they get turned either way. It's like a I mean any one play you can call pass interference on a defender or you can call um offensive pass interference on an offending wide receiver. Like almost every play you can make the reasonable justification for it. Um yeah, but it just seems like we do not get the benefit of the doubt in these situations. What? Who was it that had the illegal hands of the face defensively? Was it Greedy? No, it was Eric Murray. It was Eric Murray against Julian Edelman, and it was such a ticky-tack call. I don't even know how the ref like saw it to even care. It just grazed his face mask. And it's like, yes, by the letter of the law, you can call that, but Why? Please don't. Like it didn't have any. It didn't have any effect on the play. The only thing I can think of is if it had was kind of a habitual thing that they were calling it this time in order to nip it in the bud for 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 previous infractions. But that that makes no sense to me. And you got the turnovers. You got the penalties. You can't win. Yeah. You know, it was kind of amazing to me, honestly, <clears throat> that we were down 17 points. And we got ourselves into position. Like there were points in that game where it was like there's a path to us getting into this and potentially winning. Yeah. And the the play that I think turned the game, I tweeted this from our account, was shortly after we had scored. So we got the ball in the second half, kicked a field goal. So it was 17 to 10. The Patriots got the ball in their first possession. And they got to a third and long. It was third and 10. And they drew up a screen play that went to Sony Michelle and went for like 60 yards. That play swung the outcome of the game significantly. We stopped them right there. They end up scoring on that drive. But if we had stopped them right there, we're getting the ball back, and we have all this momentum. We had driven down all the way down the field and ended up settling for a field goal on that first drive. But, like, the offense was cooking. Yeah. I mean, we moved the the ball. um, And on that play, when you watch it, Schobert snuffs it out, like, sees it coming, gets going, and an offensive lineman nudges him in the back. Yep. Real bad. And Schobert makes a play on the on Sony Michelle there. At least trips him up. I'm not saying he's definitely gonna tackle him, but he's making an effort to tackle Sony Michelle there. It might be a situation where Michelle's able to like sneak through it, but I think it's enough to slow him down that he's not getting sixty yards and maybe not be getting a first down. So <laughs> that play in particular just like kills me to rewatch because if that had been called as a block in the back, that would have been different. Or, you know... It, there, there, oh. are, there are also so many scenarios where <laughs> I saw um, our favorite penalty, the illegal blindside block, not called. Yes. For example, 
Tom Brady blocking backwards against it might have been Greedy, it might have been Eric um might have been Eric Murray. Somebody blocking not going towards his goal line. Cuz by the letter of the law should have been called well, an illegal blindside block. Like because Tom Brady's a cheater. <laughs> and that's he's always been a cheater. But it, but it's just stuff like that that we've seen pop up um, time and time again this season that doesn't consistently get called against against other teams. So in the battle of the best friends, Nick Chubb versus Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle drafted by Bill Belichick in the Patriots higher than Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb goes twenty carries, one hundred thirty-one yards. Sony Michelle goes twenty-one carries, only seventy-four yards. Is Nick Chubb the best Browns running back we've seen in the recent era? How far do you have to go back to find a better Browns running back than Nick Chubb? The only one Jim in Brown. contention is... <laughs> I mean, in the modern era, the only one in contention is probably... Jam- or in the recent Jamal generation Lewis. is Jamal Lewis. Um, but no, I mean, I think Nick Chubb is the best running back we've seen so since I heard, 1999. I forget it, who was... Before that, it might be Jim Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really kidding whenever I said Jim Brown. I really like think that Nick Chubb is that kind of talent. So apparently, That's Nick what, Chubb averaged over... We drafted over, him with the Brock Osweiler pick, which I yeah. remembered today, which yes. is great. Which the Browns still get crap for, somehow. I, no, that's ludicrous. Anyone that gives the Browns crap for that is crazy. The Dolphins made a Osweiler-esque a worse trade, trade today. But I don't like that one. Um, not as much. They only got a fifth-round pick. Um, anyways, they took on a Keeb Tlaib, who's hurt and uh, got a fifth-round pick. But at any rate, the um, running back conversation, Nick Chubb in this game averaged over six yards a carry. It was, what, 20 carries for 131 yards? Is that right? Uh, Yeah, 20 carries, 131. Over six yards a carry. He had over five yards after contact per rush. Which is just absurd. Which is part of the reason why, I mean, the offensive line just sucks, and he's still getting all the yards and averaging over six yards a carry. It's unbelievable. So I think that we heard Grandpa talking about, you know, how good McCray played as left tackle. I, I don't think objectively anyone could say that McCray played great, but I think if you watch the game, you think that McCray played well because our running game looks so good. And we're running to the left side and we're doing stuff. But a lot of that... Well, he should uh, be able to do the, that well. He's a guard. The running game, though, was created almost entirely by Chubb. Like, he was making guys miss and creating those yards. They weren't just given to him. It wasn't like there was wide open running lanes. He was making guys miss in the backfield and, you know, at the line of scrimmage over and over and over again. So... I'm impressed with Chubb. Imagine what he would be like if he was running behind like a solid offensive line. Even even a respectable even like our offensive line last year. You know, which is changes one guy out. Our Mitchell Schwartz, Joe Thomas, Alex Mack offensive line. With Joel Batonio. With Joel Batonio. Mm. That's pretty dirty. Who was our right the, guard then? That would have been John Greco. Greco. Yeah. Which is still an upgrade. The Greek I mean, freak. I, <laughs> Still a huge. I'd update. take him. Um, how'd you guys think Baker Mayfield played in this game? Because, quite frankly, he played better in this game than any of the other quarterbacks have played against the Patriots so far this year. Do you, um, have, do you have any stats in front of you? You're um, looking at your screen. I didn't know if you had anything. Yeah, it'll take me a second to pull it up. But I mean, in recent memory, you look at um, Sam Darnold last week, who threw four interceptions. Yeah, as far as passer ratings I against know- the Patriots. Baker Mayfield's got a 79.2, Roethlisberger 65, uh, Daniel Jones 35, Josh Allen 24, Sam Darnold 3. Well, that's passer rating. If you just look at the raw stats coming into the game, the Patriots defense had allowed one passing touchdown, 18 interceptions. Baker had one of each. He had one passing touchdown and one interception. A good good passing touchdown and... A, a pretty bad interception, but kind of a fluky interception. A really bad interception. I can't. I still can't believe he just did that. Like I don't know how you see a, a defensive tackle like right in your face, right where you're about to pitch the ball, and you decide it's a good idea to still let go of it. Because I, I, I don't think you're actually like spotting that pitch. Like it's he's he's doing the play fake, and then he's like 
coming up to pitch it. I don't think it's so I don't think quick. you're making con- like eye contact with your target. It's just timing, and you know that Jarvis is going to come through. It's Baker's fault. No, it's Joel Batonio's fault. It's Batonio had a Joel, shitty game. No, it's, it's absolutely Joel Batonio's, Joel Batonio's fault. fault. It's I've not, never blamed an interception on our left guard before. But, <laughs> no, but, but that's, this, this was is, like you. You've got one job, and you have to hold this guy for like literally like a quarter of a second. Like just get any contact on him. Why do you think Joel had such a bad game? Because he was the one that caused the first he, fumble. He I think he's, the fumble. I think he's trying to. Well, I, I think mean, he's trying to make up for McCray and having to do two jobs. I don't blame Joel for the first fumble. Like he he engaged the defender and his leg happened to hit Nick Chubb's arm. Like he got blasted by that, the defender, but like, he got I the defender know. out of the way. Like yeah, he, but he did his job oh. against that defender. Is, yes. is my point. Like you you take that block. That's Absolutely. what that's what the pulling guard is doing. It's taking that like first edge defender. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried. And he drove that him outside. He did what he needed to do. He went to the ground doing it and knocked the ball out. My theory would be Unlucky. that Batonio was having He's trying to too shoulder too much because McCray was in there. Sure. And on one hand, he probably had to help McCray out with protections and those sort of well, things. Well, I think he's probably. And on another left. hand, in another hand. He knows McCray's not very good, and he needs, and he's like worried about it, and so he can't just worry about doing his job because yeah. there's more at stake. Yeah. No. I mean, that's completely fair. I mean, I feel like. So let's blame it on sure. Freddie. It was Freddie's fault. Is that what you want to do? I kind of do. You want to fire Freddie right can now? We talk, I don't want to fire him. Can we talk quickly about... So I, but I didn't think McCray should have been starting. It doesn't make well, any sense. Well, no, like, no, no. I think Greg Robinson is our third best offensive lineman so far this year. So I didn't think McCray should have been in there in the first place. If we're going to replace somebody, let's look on the right side of the line. But Did Chris Hubbard have a bad game? Yes. Did Chris, I, Chris Hubbard, Hubbard have a worse would, game than he like normally does? No. no, Chris Hubbard was less noticeably was bad in this game than he has been in our previous three. Yeah, so I don't. I've resisted the like temptation to engage in the discussion of like, is Freddie Kitchens overwhelmed? Like, is he underqualified for this job? Like, he is as qualified for this job as most of the people Those are who, different are, who questions. are getting. Those are different questions. Well, no, but I think I think they're related. Like. Yes, at, at the end of the day, they are potentially different questions. But people who are saying, Freddie has never done this before, he's, he's overwhelmed, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like, well, it's not necessarily that he hasn't done this before. Like, we've, we have how many, like, brand-new head coaches in this league every year? Like, we've got Zach Taylor, who's, like, 33 years old, like, basically just graduated from Nebraska. <laughs> um, you know, like, Freddie's got more experience than a lot of these guys coming in. This is the first week where there have been things that he's done where I feel like he's just shooting from the hip at times with the challenges, which n- neither of which he should have challenged. No, no. No, but we're, but, we're okay. garbage. But and then, let him finish his thought. And then at the end of the game, when we're, it's fourth and 11, and he rolls out the punt team to choose to punt. And then after a false start, which there's debate on whether that was intentional or not because he had changed his mind, no, he said chooses it was to go for it. He said it was He said he did it on purpose. Did he? Yes. Yeah. Oh, f- no, he said he did it on purpose. You've got to be aware of the situation. The he didn't want to waste the time out because he had pissed one away and earlier. That's, and that's fine, but go for it right away. Like Your yeah. gut reaction needs to be seven minutes left in the game, six minutes left in the game, whatever. Yeah. Fourth and eleven, we're down by fourteen. We got to go for this. You need to know that it's like that, and you got get yeah. your play ready so that you, you're not sacrificing five yards. You're never going to get the fourth and yeah. sixteen. When you're calling that third down play, you should know that you're going for it on fourth down. Yes, and it, it should influence your play call. Yes. So there, there's a myriad of things that Freddie does that are questionable. The challenges seem like a very simple thing to fix, right? Just don't challenge. Just it. don't challenge things that are bad challenges. Just have one guy that is responsible for be like, hey, is there a high probability that this challenge gets overturned? And that's for his only job. Sakes, make it be like, Paul DePodesta. Yeah. He might as well be during the game. Yeah, like, what else is he Somebody doing? with a brain that can like just tell you yes or no. But but honestly, like Pete Carroll is a great head coach in the NFL. Fantastic head coach. One of the best. He challenges the dumbest stuff over and over and over again. So I'm not going to use the fact that Freddie Kitchens challenges dumb stuff as uh, 
indictment against Freddie Kitchens as a head coach because there's tons of good head coaches that do that. I He shouldn't do it. He needs to be smarter, right? Just like Pete Carroll yeah. does. I was reminded this week of Mike Tice, the old um, Vikings head coach, who at one point threw the challenge flag, was told he wasn't allowed to challenge what he was trying to challenge, and he asked, what can I challenge? And they said, <laughs> the spot of the ball. He goes, good, I want to challenge that. <laughs> <laughs> Just because he was pissed off. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, no, I don't think that's a very good use of, of the of challenge. That, like, is just challenge like power. The ultimate power move that you give the coach the ability to just be like, "Yeah, I want to assert my yeah. dominance here <laughs> to get the stage." I'm pissed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't think you can ultimately count that entirely against Freddie. What What is the threshold, Michael, for games Freddie Kitchens wins to not get fired? Um, I think we have to hit 500. I would think we have to get to eight and eight for sure, but it's more it's it's such a it's such a general feeling about the team. Like if we just get some confidence around the team and you start to see like a little bit of the swagger we saw in the second half, like there just needs to be a positive vibe. Like the guy is in his first ever season coaching an NFL team. Like I don't think the bar should be all that high for him to have to reach. Like. You hear Rex Ryan on Get Up like saying that Freddie Kitchens is going to be fired for wasting this talent. You know what? If Rex Ryan was coaching this team, I don't think they'd be any better than two and five. Like I, I really don't. So, I mean, I, I imagine think how great Freddie's going to be on the TV circuit when he's not coaching anymore. Oh, he'll be, he'll be something. He will take Rex Ryan's job that time as well. Yeah, I hope so. Um, at any rate, I, I think eight and eight is probably the the bar he needs to reach. But I certainly hope he exceeds that. So that'll be that'll be six and three down the stretch to yeah. to get to eight and eight. That'd be a, a pretty good finish to the season. But even if they get just under it, if they win, if they beat the Bengals twice and they beat the Steelers twice, can you really fire a Browns head coach that sweep like the Bengals? In the division? And the Steelers, well, like, can you? Can you? But has so if ever we go be- seven and nine and sweep the Bengals and the Steelers, yeah, you can't fire that man. You can't. I mean, but to say you, you sweep the Steelers and the Bengals in this season isn't saying much. Like, no, that sounds good, like overall. But those teams are both trash. Yeah, that's why I. All right, they, I'm they, super right, they, frustrated. The Browns have to turn this around because have you ever seen a better opportunity for the Browns to make the playoffs? I mean, the way this season is shaping up with the AFC North in particular, there's never been a better situation. Like, we can't crap the bed. We have to start showing up because this is the chance. Like, it might not ever get better than this particular opportunity. Yeah. No, and I mean... That sounds dramatic, but I don't think it is. So, this this doesn't help if we're expecting to contend for the Super Bowl this year. But I don't know that that was ever, like, that was always the stretch goal, right? If if our goal is to, to win the division and make the playoffs. That's my goal. Can't we, can't we view this as... Just, I want one playoff we game. Had, one. We had one really disappointing game against the Titans. That, that's a team that we feel like we should beat. Were you not disappointed after the San Francisco game? I was disappointed after all of them, but I'm saying like now looking back on it, all of our opponents that we lost to were really are really good football teams. And you can say the Rams are struggling, and that's true, but they were in the Super Bowl last year, largely the same team, still a really good football team. Not playing well. Like I think we undervalue how tough the beginning of our schedule was and that our schedule just is so lopsided. And the Ravens' schedule has been the opposite. I mean, they've come out against a bunch of cupcake teams, and they beat the Seahawks, which is, is credit to them. But they lost to us. So, like, what, is, what does that say? Yeah, like, I mean, we play the NFC West, right? So the NFC West is probably the best yeah, division in football right now. It's a, it's a really tough shake. And that's why our division looks is going to throughout the end of the season is going to look so terrible because we play the entire NFC West. I mean, 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals. Like, 
it's it's going to be hard to beat all of those teams sans the Cardinals. And so we've played all of those teams almost already, except for the easy one. And yeah. the Ravens have only played the Seahawks. Yeah, and so what I'm saying is, is it that inconceivable? Like, like the Browns have been largely shooting themselves in the foot, but absent shooting ourselves in the foot, like would have probably won one, maybe two of these hard games. Is it that inconceivable that we turn it around and go eight and one down the stretch and finish with a really good record and make the playoffs? I mean, the Eagles did it last year. I think they started two and five or three and five. We started two, five and one last season and we're in the playoff hunt as unlikely as that was <laughs> near, near the end of the year. We started two, five and one. We can be three and five. At the end of this year, which is a half game better than we were at the same time last year. So it, it's it's just to me it's what is it going to take early. for us? I mean, yeah, it's early, but we're in a pretty significant hole. It's right? a win. It's a win now. But what I'm saying is, I'm not making judgments on this Browns team based on the teams they lost to in the first seven weeks. I'm gonna judge this Browns team based on can they beat these teams the next nine weeks. So we beat, we beat the Broncos this upcoming week. Then we continue having this conversation, right? We oh, continue. There's no doubt. We, we beat the Broncos, beat the Broncos. We continue having this conversation. If we lose the Broncos though, it's I mean, the season is over. I mean, we're let's continue to lose and let's get a high <laughs> draft pick. Like no. legitimately you have to, you might have to make that decision. Um, I don't think we're going to, Paul Podesta. Podesta is like, Hey guys, I mean, I don't think with this team you want to tank. I think there's like a definite risk of like losing the psyche of the team and the overall. If you want the core of this team to be your like team that contends in the future, like I think it's pretty risky to just tank. But if if we lose this game, do you make changes? Like do you just say, "You know what? This season it's not working for us." Like Todd Munkin, why don't you call the offense and yes. s- and see what yeah. happens? Yep. Not saying that that's the solution, but let's try something else. Got to mix it up. Just to kind of like make something better. The people who are calling for Freddie to be fired, what do, we don't gain anything by, by making a change right now. Like we don't have the, the guys on the staff that I feel like are going to do better. I mean, we've got Steve Wilkes. He was terrible last year in Arizona. He's a good defensive coordinator. We've got Todd Monken, um, who's been a, a head coach at the college level. Um, hasn't been a head coach at this level. I don't level. know. Steve Wilkes is on my my crap list because really Steve Wilkes is. I think the sole reason we got rid of Jannard Avery. Oh yeah, but that's a scheme thing. Like d- Steve Wilkes just runs his scheme, and he's going to continue running his scheme. But that's a bad coach, in my opinion. A guy that like can't see a player that's as talented as Jannard Avery and find a way to like use him at least in rotation. All right. So can we talk about this? Michael's yeah. really pissed off about the Gennard Avery trade. I am slightly disappointed by that Gennard Avery like wasn't able to live up to his potential in Cleveland, okay. largely because he wasn't given an opportunity, I, I will say. Here is why I am pissed about the Gennard Avery trade. What we saw last year was he consistently provided pressure. In, he was a sub-package edge rusher. Right? Correct. And he consistently brought pressure. He only had four and a half sacks, but as a rookie, not bad. That's solid. For a sub package like rusher. And he had like 14 pressures or something like that over the course of the season. You know, he got a few snaps in this last game. It was like literally three snaps. He was dropped in coverage for one of the plays, and he rushed on two of the plays. He brought a pressure in one of those two plays. Like, he is a good edge defender costs nothing he is an example of a fifth round pick that hit and the success rate of a fifth round pick is super super low and we got a fourth back for him okay a future fourth like not next year's fourth a future fourth in 2021 like we are just giving up on a player that we actually like had value and we're not actually getting to take advantage of the value of him on his rookie contract. And it's not easy to find solid edge rushers. We had one in our building, and we chose to not use him at all. 
Like, look back in the history of the Browns. Have we had an edge defender like Jannard Avery? Like, just kind of in our second or third slot in the last 10 years? We haven't had anyone as talented as him, and we just let him walk for a future fourth-round pick. But he's not... So, if, I, if Olivier Vernon gets hurt, what are we doing? I mean, Chris Smith is getting a ton of snaps. But wouldn't you feel a lot better if Gerard Avery was on our team and he got to play a handful of those snaps? I mean... I'd feel a hell of a lot better if we had Gerard Avery. Yes, I would. So, here, but here's the thing. I, I think there's more going on here. There's, there's scheme fit. There's other things. Gerard Avery asked for a trade. Because he was frustrated that he wasn't getting to play, which which I he was com- mismanaged, which I completely understand. However, Jannard Avery is the third best pass rusher we like, pure pass rusher on the team. That's fair, right? We've we've got depth at that position, but he wasn't being treated as the, the third best t- pass rusher by the coaching staff, and that's the problem. Sure, but you you only need like we've got good interior rushers as well. It's not like when we're in like sub packages. We're dropping Vernon and Garrett inside and then bringing in extra edge rushers. We're not. We, we keep Richardson there. Like, from a scheme fit, I, I mean, I would have liked to see what could happen if we brought Avery and had, like, a, a speed package, whatever you want to call it, where it's just all DNs on the field and coming after guys. But that's not what Steve Wilkes wanted to do. I, I get that you wanted Chris Smith or, or Chad Thomas there, like a bigger body to, to, to play the run against some of these teams that we've played. Um, I think it was telling this week that Chris Smith was on the bench or was inactive and Jannard Avery was active this week. I think they're looking at it from a, from a week-to-week basis, and Jannard Avery just didn't make sense with the personnel that we had available because – I think they were just showcasing Jared Avery because they were planning on trading him. So they, they play him for, th- for three snaps to showcase him? To show that he's healthy and that he can play. Yes. Quite frankly, Jannard Avery requested a trade. And I'm not – and it was because he wasn't being used. And he was very talented and very productive last year. I'm not upset about it right now. I will be upset if – if, he, if we if he fire Freddie plays Kitchens, really, really well. Well, if he plays really well, which a, he will. If we fire Freddie Kitchens and then and then Steve Wilkes leaves, exactly. and then we have a need for Jannard Avery, that would be devastating. Like, that exactly what you're talking about, Michael, about losing the value of hitting. I mean, hitting on a fifth rounder, like, that is franchise changing. Hitting on a good player but, that is a fifth rounder. But let's let's not also get upset yep. about a situation that we don't know. I said if, I said I'm not no, upset. No, I know. I'm I'm more talking to Michael, <laughs> but like softening it by saying <laughs> us. You know, for we don't know how this situation is going to play out. Like Jannard Avery might turn out to be great for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's going to be Brandon Graham for the he Philadelphia might, Eagles. He might turn out to to be fine or or nothing. You know what? We also sit here and we worry that John Dorsey isn't willing to to like cut bait on his guys because they're his guys. Like John Dorsey drafted Jannard Avery and just traded him. John Dorsey drafted Austin Corbett and just traded him. Like to get value back. Well, you didn't listen to our last podcast, Matthew, that you were not. We talked about this. We touched on this. No, but I'm but I'm saying like that's a good thing. Yeah, no, so it is. So in this Jannard Avery thing. situation where we're frustrated that we, we lost a player that we view as a talent. Maybe there's other things going on from the inside, but the plus is that the front office is showing that they're willing to, to move on from guys that are, quote-unquote, their guys. Because you can't, you can't fall in love with these guys at the back end of a roster. Like, NFL rosters just churn. You've, you've got your... Your okay, top-end starters, but you can't fall in love with these guys. But it's also true that I... That I don't know that he's really a back end of the roster type player, and he was being treated as such by this coaching staff. So that's one thing. We'll put that to the side for a second. Okay. I think you're overselling what Jannard Avery was. He was he was an effective player who I really enjoyed watching play. Okay, but he had very little time. Like in at Memphis, he played a multitude of positions, and last year was his first year getting a chance to just play on the edge, and he crushed it. And he didn't get a chance since then to do anything else. So. Everything I've seen from him has been phenomenal, and we just decided to move on from him. But, okay, 
the coaching staff didn't treat him as more than a back of the roster player. It's also true that when you're building an NFL roster, you need really valuable players and really effective players that don't cost you that much money. Yeah. And Jannard Avery is one of those players in my mind. And so I think we're giving up on an asset that's a really valuable piece going forward. And I think would have been the type of guy that if you think you want to move on from uh, Olivier Vernon in the future when you have to pay Miles Garrett, that you know you've got a Jannard Avery sitting there for another year or two on a cheap rookie contract. And we just gave it up. And we're getting a fourth-round pick, which honestly, if you decide you're getting rid of Jannard Avery, I like the value that we're getting, even though it's in the future. But I don't like it for the team overall. I, I'm not a fan of this trade. And it is definitely the most frustrated I've been about the Browns' season so far, this trade alone. I don't think he's an every-down defensive end, though. I think he's I think he's a, a third down like passing situation like pass rush specialist. I don't I don't think you want him in there playing like holding the edge against the run. No, he was really good against that last year, I think. I I don't remember cuz it's been so long and I haven't looked at the numbers. And he hasn't but, played at all this year. Um, but like if if you're talking about getting rid of a third down pass rush specialist, like if Olivier Vernon moves on or goes down. We're we're playing Chris Smith because he's more well rounded, like because that's I, the guy you want in there on every down, and then you could bring in a Gennard Avery on third down. But if you have a a guy who doesn't want to be here anymore <laughs> because he asked for a trade, which I don't blame him for, you you have to take see, take the fourth I, round pick and move on. Like you, you I just because like, you can I go just find like Gennard another, Avery like, more than you rusher. do, and that's fine. I just like Jannard Avery more than you do, and that's fine. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be really good for the Eagles. And I well, mean, the Eagles I, use their talent well, and Jannard Avery will show flashes, and he will seem like he fits their scheme well. For for his sake, I hope he does great. But I, I don't, I don't want it for the Browns. But yeah, you can you can rotate your fifth pass rusher through. All right, well, you guys have clearly hashed it out. Let's move on. Um, so the trade deadline was today. We decided to not record the podcast until today, just in case there was any big news. And there was absolutely nothing, which says a lot about, I think John Dorsey tried to trade for Trent Williams, but ultimately John Dorsey said, this, this team's good enough that we can win with this team. We don't need to do anything extra. I wouldn't say that. I would say that I think it says that John Dorsey isn't willing to like overspend to get the talent, which is I, also I think good. That's, I think that's what I learned from this situation. I don't think he thinks that we're like good enough, but I don't think he's willing to give up too much just to get a player. I'm surprised for right now, which is really telling. I'm really glad to see that. I was worried that he was going to get antsy and try to over overvalue a player and spend way too much just to make a splash and make something happen. Yeah, I thought we're at two and five and something needs to happen. Right? I thought Dorsey would make a move. I I knew that he was obviously he was trying to get Trent Williams. The the price was was high. I didn't necessarily think it would be that move, but I thought he would make a move for an offensive tackle of Vitae from Philadelphia. Um, Nate Solder had had been rumored to be on the block. Where I'm so glad that didn't where happen. that was a situation where the Giants were kind of rumored to be willing to get rid of him on the cheap for somebody to take that contract. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that something like that didn't happen more than we didn't trade for Trent Williams. I'm also interested. There was rumors that Higgins would potentially be available in a trade, which. The way that this coaching staff is handling some of these players that all of us as fans seem to like unanimously agree are like solid contributing players. I believe players. Higgins was actually hurt the, the last couple weeks and wasn't quite ready to go. I hope so. He's Baker Mayfield's favorite target. You're saying like the, the Patriots game and the Seahawks not Not game? the Patriots game, the, the two weeks before that where he was active and wasn't playing. But what... Do you not find it surprising that Antonio Callaway was getting the third most most of the reps as the third receiver over Higgins? I don't because 
I think Callaway's more talented, but I also think his skill set fits better on the field with Odell and Jarvis. We need someone to take the top off. We need somebody to take the top off because Jarvis won't do that. OBJ, you don't want that to just be his role of just taking the top off the defense. You want to give him space to open up over top. Higgins isn't going to take the top off. Like, I, I think it's just – Higgins is a great piece to have, but he doesn't fit great with the wide receiver core. And with how much money we're paying OBJ and Jarvis and their profile, like, you're not going to sit either of them to play Higgins. No, you're not. That makes sense. But And he's a free agent. Like, so maybe if you got the right offer, it would make sense to trade him. But nevertheless, at least split time because – more often than not, Baker, whenever he's in trouble, finds Higgins more than anyone else. As far as far as like recent memory, it seems like they've had the connection better than even Jarvis and Baker and Odell's connection has been absolutely awful. That guy has got to make plays. He absolutely has to, and we got to figure out a way so to make many, this receiving so core. Drops, we have to figure out a way expect. to make this receiving core productive. Because if that isn't happening, where we're spending most of our capital, I I don't like what are we doing if we're not doing that? Um, no comment. I'm too frustrated to say <laughs> anything on that subject. So the was there anything else that you were expecting John Dorsey to do besides trade for offensive line help? No, I'm curious though. Trent Williams, what would you have been willing to give up to get Trent Williams? So, not a first round pick. Because I don't think, same. I don't think that's great. His his contract is actually pretty affordable. It would be like twelve million dollars a year, going forward, um, which really isn't bad for a, for, for, a, for just, a top level offensive tackle. Isn't it just um, this year? No, he's got three more years year. left. No, it's just through next year. I think maybe. I, I, I think know. it's a year and a half. Um, I would have been willing to probably give up a second and then that conditional pick we're getting from the Texans for the Duke Johnson trade, which will probably be a third. That's a lot. I don't think I'd be willing to give up that much. I think the I'd be willing to give up a second and maybe a fourth, but more like a fifth would seem like better value to me. And I was having this – I hopped on our Twitter handle and was like talking to some people about this today. And everyone that was willing to respond, at least – was thinking that a second was way too much, Pete included. And I was surprised by that because I really feel like I definitely don't want to give up a first-rounder. But with the darth of talent that there is at the tackle position in the NFL, like to be able to get a surefire guy that you've seen on the field, yes, there's age concerns. Yes, he's been a little unhealthy the last few years when he's been on the field. But you know what you're getting in Trent Williams. Like, if we're going to count on the draft to secure a left tackle, like that's a roll of the dice. Like who knows if that guy's going to come in and be able to contribute in year 1. Like you know that Trent Williams is going to be able if he's healthy to come in and contribute. And you know right? he's he- you know he's healthy now. Right? And he's 31, and- which is an age concern, I guess, but like he's got 2-3 solid years left. So I-, I looked at this. I was like, Whitworth is like 38. Oh yeah. Whitworth turned 31 and then played four more seasons for the Bengals right. and then went to the Rams and played three more years. And made like, the biggest difference in the world to the Rams. Yeah. Whitworth was 25 when he came into the league. Yeah. So I don't think the age is a huge concern for me, and I would be more than willing to give up a second-round pick to, to take him. I was hoping that that's what they were going to land on today. When, no, when I saw that John Dorsey was offering a second today, I was like, good, I want to give up a second and then I think a fourth would be my compensation. A second and a fourth, and you get a starting left tackle, which is one of the most paramount positions on your team that we are starving at. Yeah. But, I mean, if I – so I said I'd give up that Texans pick. Yeah. I'd, I'd give up a second in Duke Johnson for – like if Duke was still on our team, I'd give up yeah. a second in Duke Johnson for – Yeah. For no, Trey I mean, Williams, that's fair. Right? Like – That's fair. I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over that. And then you can take that first-round pick and pick a tackle, put them on the right side. Suddenly you have a pretty dope offensive line but it's next super year nice for the next couple of years. Two-thirds. It'll be interesting to see what Washington can get for Trent, Trent Williams in the offseason um, because that's been the discussion is that if they don't trade him now, they'll look to trade him in the offseason. 
I, I don't How know. How different is it going to be? I it's think not, it's got to be worse, right? It's got to be worse. You've got teams that have other options, and he's a half a year older. Yeah. I, the, and Greg Schneider less, has less got time, to be yeah. the worst general manager in the entire league. Dan Schneider? Dan Schneider, yeah, yeah. sorry. Well, he's not well, making he's the, the calls, but, I mean, he's the owner. He, but he is making the calls, and that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, well, let's move on. Real quick, I want to... I want to hit on the the heartbeat of the AFC North as a whole. Um, so we have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are ahead of us in the division right now, without Ben Roethlisberger. We have the Cincinnati Bengals, who have just benched Andy Dalton. Well, you missed on the Bengal on the Steelers that they just lost James Conner. He's got a like a shoulder He's got injury, an AC joint sprain. So I don't know what that means for him missing time. But he's gonna miss some time for sure. We we you would on, think so. We hit on earlier that this is our window. Like, what? How are the? Are we gonna beat the Steelers twice? I, I hope so. To <laughs> I expect to. The Dolphins should have beat them last night. I mean, this is like I've never seen a window like this for the Browns. And I, I mean, maybe the window is gonna be open for a little while longer. I think the Bengals are gonna struggle to get back to contention anytime soon. If Big Ben like leaves the Steelers, I think that could open a nice window for us. But we got to make something happen. Like, I just think it's just super notable that, like, things are breaking this way in this particular season. Like, we should go at least 5-1 and one in the division. We already, we already have the toughest game out of the, out of the way. We beat the Ravens in Baltimore. It's very hard for us to win at home, Michael. Is that's why you're just that's why you're a, not understanding. Is there a chance that every team in the AFC North isn't actually that good? Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like like I think the winner I mean, of this the division Seahawks, is nine and seven. The Seahawks aren't even I don't even think the Seahawks are as good as people think they are with their six and two record. And the fact that the Bengals or the Ravens beat them makes me think that well, even more. The Bengals more. almost beat the Seahawks. And we should have. We almost too. beat the Seahawks. We should have. We absolutely should have beaten Seahawks. I mean, it's there for the taking, if anything else. All right, so next week, a pivotal game, I feel like. We got the Broncos. If we don't win this game, the season's over, as we already mentioned. What, what are you guys seeing for this game? Like, the line is, what, three points towards the – Joe Flacco's out – um, we're playing Brandon Allen. The line is three points towards the Browns. It opened as one, the Broncos being favored by one point, which is crazy to me. But it's down. It's now the Browns favored by three. I mean, it's our chance to get right. I mean, this looks a lot like the Jets game. I mean, Sam Darnold comes down with mono. Joe Flacco goes down, um, is out. We got Brandon Allen starting. Will I mean, Miles yes, Garrett destroy Brandon Allen? We're on the road. I mean, who is the Broncos' third-string quarterback? They are having to bring Tyler Heineke up from the practice squad. Oh. Because um, what's-his-face, the rookie from Missouri is... Drew Locke. Drew Locke still is IR, still hurt. Right? Yep. So, um, I mean, you're absolutely right. If the Browns don't win, it crushes the season. But... I, I think it's just a chance for the Browns to get back on track. Like all I really want to see is the Browns like being disciplined and like executing. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be a blowout. It just needs to be a a disciplined, controlled victory. And to build right? some confidence. Like I just want the team to build some confidence that they can like go and make something happen. Yeah. That's all I want. Like like twenty four to ten would be fine. Twenty four to twenty three is fine. I don't really care. I want a W, and I want the team to execute. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that close. But No, I want a decisive victory. If we decisively win this game, that builds a huge amount of confidence. I mean, like that's what we need to springboard this season into the second half. Yeah, and then after this game, we have three straight games at home. Which, which we've, been, we've been terrible at home, but in <laughs> oh, theory, no. in theory, should be better. For <laughs> oh us. no, should be better for us. Um, Broncos defense has not been stellar this year. They've They're missing fine. Bradley Chubb now. Um, they don't. Yeah, I mean, they still have Chris Harris. They didn't trade him. 
they're two and six, and they have had some bad. How losses. many? How many offensive starters can you name for the Denver Broncos? Let's let's go around in a circle and see if we can name, name all one starting at eleven time. one at a time. Mark, Denver Broncos offensive starter. I would have started with Joe Flacco, so now I'm going with Brandon Allen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Um. I'm 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 thinking Emmanuel Sanders and I can't get his head his name out of He's my not there head, anymore. but he just got traded. Running um, back, you got this. <laughs> running back, fantasy stud. All right, I'll go. Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay. Oh, okay. just took Philip Lindsay. All right, we skipped okay, Michael. Now, now I need back. to do two. No, but I'm thinking of the guy we loved their their guard that they just drafted from Kansas State is is the stud. Yeah, I'm, but I'm missing his name. Dalton Reisner. Dalton Reisner is who I'm thinking of. And All right, Matthew, your turn. Then I can picture their left tackle, too. Um, He's the Garrett second year Bowles That's is the their one. left tackle All right, there we out go. of Utah. Noah Fant. Noah Fant is their tight end. Um, Michael's turn. No, it's Michael's turn now. Michael's just whiffing on this particular exercise. Yeah, you're terrible at this. <laughs> their other receiver. Good gracious. Isn't it Deshaun Hamilton out yeah. of Penn State? I yeah. think that's probably the next guy up. I haven't yeah, looked at their depth it chart. Is. It's Deshaun Hamilton. Um, I'm out. I mean, I, their I center, right guard, and right tackle. Is Paredes still there? Or did no. Paredes leave? No. Paredes. Paredes. And he's gone. I have no idea who the rest of their offensive line is. Yeah. They're not good. Can't tell you. I'm out. I've got nothing left. And we still have one more wide receiver slash fullback slash tight end to name. Yep, we win. And I couldn't tell you who it is. <laughs> well, that was fun. That's illuminating, so, to say the least. Well, that shows you just how little <laughs> the Broncos have working on offense for them. Well, it depends on how highly you value our knowledge of the NFL to do. Determine That's whether true. that means anything or not. Well, yeah, there's going to be some like <laughs> crazy sports fans being like, blah, blah. Uh, "All right, yeah. let's figure this out." Um, yes, Fred Brown is the other wide receiver that we couldn't name. Don't know how I I'm missed that. Looking one. at ESPN's depth chart for the Browns, <laughs> he for is the he is not a wide receiver in the NFL. He is like somebody's neighbor. Just <laughs> okay. Yeah, so know. the center to right side of their offensive line is Connor McGovern is the center, who's a rookie. I think. Nice to meet you, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. knew you existed. I think he went to Penn State. Uh, Ronald Leary is the right oh, guard. Oh, okay. Yeah, the guy from I used to play for the Cowboys. Yep. And Jawan James is the right tackle okay. who they signed yeah, this yeah, offseason yeah. from, from Miami. From Miami. Yeah, yeah, out of Tennessee. Yep. All right. So. Um. There you go. That's the Denver Broncos starting eleven on offense. Who's so, their left guard? Dalton Reisner. Oh, Dalton Reisner. That's right. Yeah. The more you know. Um. All right. So every single podcast, we like to go through the lines. We pick the lines. I feel like you've heard what we feel about this Broncos game. Um. And we keep track. We compete against each other for who has the best record throughout the season. I would like to take this time to note that I was three and zero last week. I was just about to congratulate you. I mean, which you is congratulated really, yourself. So I, there you and go. And I'm proud of it. Um, I'm doing the thumb point to the name on the back of the jersey. So you went three and zero, but you want to know what your record is for the year? No, I don't. Michael. Seven and fifteen. <laughs> All right. Woof. I mean, so I mean, hey, you're taking the, the necessary steps to get back towards contention. So I'm that's, working my way back. That's good. A few more weeks of three and zero, you'll be right back in it. A few more. <laughs> Just a few like more. Three in a row. A few more, and I'll be there. All right, so first game, uh, Thursday night, San Francisco heads to Arizona, and the 49ers are favored by a lot of points. All right, I'm in last place. Can I pick first every time? You want to pick first every time? I want to pick first every hey, time. you have the right to pick Thank whenever you, so much, you want. Michael. So the 49ers are favored by 10 points heading to Arizona on Thursday. 10? What? That's not what you texted us. You said it was four and a half. No, I didn't. Is it 10 points? I don't care. I'm picking the 49ers. I'm picking the 49ers. I don't care. Oh, yeah, you did say 10. <laughs> okay, I see it here now. Anyway, I decided I'm picking the 49ers. They to cover are the 10 points? To cover the 10 points. They're going to win by more than 10. Um, I don't think Arizona is that great. 
And I think San Francisco's run game is going to do exactly what it did to us and just trash and put Kyler Murray in a situation where he feels like he has to play hero. All right. Matthew? This is tough. San, or Arizona's struggling at the running back position. Everybody seems to be getting hurt. They just traded for Kenyon um, Drake. Just traded for Kenyon Drake. Problem um, solved. And San Francisco's been blowing teams out. They've won most of their games by more than 10 points. So I have to go San Francisco here. I don't – Cardinals' defense is terrible. San Francisco's defense is great. I just don't see how this is closer than a 10-point game. I'm going to count on Thursday night football to uh, help me out, and I'm going to go with Arizona. I'm mostly just hoping for a chance for a leg up on these guys. But 10 points is a lot. 10 points is a lot, but the 49ers have been blowing out teams. They have been, but it. I'm still not 100% in on them throughout the season. But Arizona is not exactly a strong opponent. I completely see how you could have them cover in 10 points. I'm just – Hoping for a, a Washington at Minnesota situation like last week, um, which I was on the wrong end of. So we're flipping the script this week, uh, which brings us to Sunday Night Football. Patriots heading to Baltimore, which is as intriguing of a matchup as I've seen in a while. I'm definitely going to be tuning in for that one. Patriots favored by three and a half. Mark, would you like to pick this one first? I would love to. Okay, go ahead. I'm taking the Patriots. Three and a half points. There is not a doubt in my mind. I think the Ravens are far more overhyped than they are actually good. Um, I think that Lamar Jackson is going to have fits against that Patriots defense. He's going to run for as many yards as he possibly can, but that is about the only thing that he's going to have going for him in this game. And I think the Patriots are going to take away the best part of the Ravens offense, which is Lamar Jackson running, and I don't think he's going to get that much. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think Bill Belichick's going to completely make Lamar Jackson look like a fool. I I just think that he's going to be able to scheme up. Lamar Jackson isn't complete enough of an NFL quarterback at this point to be able to beat Bill Belichick's defense. And Matthew, with how well that defense is playing, I just don't see it happening. So Matthew, I'm you pick England the Ravens. Sure. You won't. No, I'm not picking the Ravens. So... <laughs> I, th- I think this defense is actually like uniquely positioned to give Lamar Jackson fits. They're going to play man coverage um, across the back, and they're going to play conservative across the line of scrimmage. I've been listening to the Ron Rosillo show, who has he has Chris Long on every Monday, yeah. and Chris was talking about how um, when they played when he was in New England, and they played guys like Le'Veon Bell, who were really explosive. Belichick would get mad at his defensive linemen if they made tackles in the backfield. He wanted them to hold the line of scrimmage and then make the tackle as the guy like committed and was running towards them. I think he's going to do that. Lamar's going to be asked to sit back in that pocket and make throws against that Patriots defense. Those guys cover tight. Yes, they he's do. not going to have success. I have to go with the Patriots. Like they're just. Oh, I think this is going to be a blowout. I don't yes. think this is going to be very close. Yeah, it could be 20-plus points. Because once it starts going bad, it'll snowball. Yep. I feel like the Ravens win in a squeaker or it's a blowout. And New England just destroys them. All right, which brings us to the Browns game. We already gave you our thoughts. Now we give you our pick. The Browns are favored by three points heading into Denver against Brandon Allen and the Denver Broncos. I can't wait to see a disappointed John Elway in the box over and over again. Grandpa will be happy to see it as well. I'm picking the Browns. Mark, what do you have? I'm picking the Browns. This is going to be the game that is going to be the hinge point of our season. Matthew? It's a must win. Got to pick the Browns. All right. Matthew and Mark have the same picks this week, and the only difference for me is the Arizona Cardinals over or at least covering against the 49ers soft, on Thursday. Matthew, soft. Take a risk once in a while. You My goodness. You, you can't catch me if you make the same picks. 
<laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We really appreciate you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Sin of Our Fathers. Follow us on Instagram at Sin of Our Fathers. And um, if you have a question, comment, or concern, send it to us at sinofourfathers at gmail.com. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. If you like what we're talking about, if you think other people need to hear it, then it would really go a long way if you would rate us five stars, comment, tell a friend about it. That would mean a lot to us. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys, and let's get that W on our way to 11 and 5. It starts today. Go Browns. Let's go Browns. Thank <laughs> you.